Hello. Good morning, everybody. Well, two things before I get started. First of all, I'm so happy I got to watch that video before today. And second of all, aren't you glad I didn't come out as Coach Kathy? I mean, I don't think I could be in character until 3.30 when I'm done with my message today. That would be too much. I'm just kidding. We're not staying till 3.30. It's, it's 4. No, I'm just... Well, I'm Melissa Legree. I'm the Kids Ministry Director here. And whether you're joining here at Lenexa or at Speedway or online, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us. And happy Mother's Day to all of you moms out there. So... Um, as I was preparing for this message, I actually had to go to Costco, um, which I go there on a regular basis. You can thank my father-in-law for that. He introduced me to Costco, and my husband has re regretted it since. Any other Costco fans out there? I love Costco. I love going without my children, who are four and five. Um, so that I can actually look at what's in the store. But I was in the parking lot of Costco looking out um, to the parking lot and just seeing what was happening. And I was actually thinking about this message as I'm watching, and this man is pushing his cart towards his car, and he starts unloading his groceries into the car. And as he is unloading the groceries, a car pulls up behind him, turns the blinker on, waiting for him to finish so he can take the spot. And then a second car pulls up waiting for this man to finish unloading his groceries so they can go around and find a different parking spot. And then a third car pulls up and that third car spots uh, a parking spot a couple aisles over, backs out, squealing the tires, going around the corner like it's not NASCAR on two wheels and pulls into that parking spot. While all of that is taking place, I see a woman with two children and she has a piece of paper in her hand, which I'm assuming is her grocery list. And if she's anything like me, she's looking at the grocery list and she's contemplating how long is it going to take for me to get these groceries while my children have a slice of pizza that I'm buying them at the concession stand, right? It's like supermarket sweep. How long is it going to take me to go through these aisles before my children realize there are gummy bears somewhere, right? And the third thing, the icing on the cake, I see this small sedan, I think it might have been a Toyota Prius, pull up to the entrance of Costco and two employees come out with a cart and it has a huge box and I'm pretty sure it was a seven-piece lawn furniture set. It's huge. And they are coming up to this small sedan and I know that they're thinking like, okay, how is this going to fit in that car? Like, how much liability do we have if we open the windows and tie a rope around it and put it on the roof, right? What do all of these things have in common? Before they even get in the store, they are dealing with stress, right? The guy unloading his groceries is trying to do it quickly enough so the next car can turn into the parking spot. The third car is looking two aisles over, hoping they can make it over to that parking spot before someone else snatches it. And the Toyota Prius and the Costco employees, I don't even know where to begin with the amount of stress that they're probably dealing with at that moment in time. What is the point of this story? That we all deal with stress. The message today is not how to get rid of it and never have it again. The message that I would like to talk to you with talk to you about today is how to manage that stress in a healthy way. 
Because let's be honest, we all have stress in our lives. Some of you came into service today not knowing that it's Mother's Day and then saw the intro video and you're like, what am I going to do with the rest of the day to plan for the mothers in my life? You're on Amazon right now saying, can it be here by 5 p.m.? Can that gift that I need to order? Some of you are students in the room and you're finishing up school and you probably have finals or projects or you're planning for summer and a job or weights or sports. Some of you are graduating from high school or college and you're planning for that next chapter of your life and there's a lot of stress that can come with that. Or maybe you are parents of a graduate And you're planning for that next chapter without that child in your house. And maybe your parents, and this is the last child that is going to graduate, so you're wondering how you're going to navigate with your spouse after they're gone. Some of you have health crisis in yourself or in your family that you're trying to deal with with doctor's appointments and medication and managing pain. Others of you have started a new job and it's very stressful learning something new and you're not real sure that the best person is coming home at night because of the stress that you have at your job. And others of you are in between jobs right now, so you're stressed about the money and where that money is going to come from or if the money that's there at the beginning of the month is going to last you to the end. Others of you are getting ready to retire or just have retired and you have financial planning that you've done and now you're just hoping that the lifestyle that you've become accustomed to will please remain in place as you retire. And some of you had a lot of stress building up to today because Mother's Day can have a lot of pain and a lot of stress and a lot of emotion that comes along with it. So today, I would like to look at stress and what stress can look like if you can manage it in a healthy way. Because scripture does tell us in Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And I think that you could replace those that are weary with those that are stressed. But usually we don't look at scripture on how to manage our stress. Instead, we look at the world and see how the world manages stress. And that's how we try to deal with our own stress. You know, I started looking at this message and looking at stress and burnout way back in November, starting to prepare for it, even back then, looking at healthy habits that I could start trying in order to manage my stress. Yet, last week... Leading up to this message, I ate a whole package of double-stuffed Oreos as well as a a bag of Lay's potato chips. And I made the Lay's potato chips healthy with a French onion dip using Greek yogurt. But let me tell you, when I was dipping those potato chips in it, my kids would come and say, Mom, can I have one? I was like, no. You know? Any other stress eaters out there? Yes, yes. No amount of sugar or fried foods can manage the stress that I am trying to manage. Others of you probably turn to alcohol or other substances, prescription or illegal drugs. 
Some of you shut the door and you binge watch Netflix for 12 hours. And then, of course, that compounds the stress because now you're at 3 a.m. and you have to get up at 6 a.m. for school or for work. And finally, some of you just take that stress and you just keep taking it. And you just keep taking it. And you push it down and you push it down and you push it down. And you never try to manage it. And that can lead to the worst thing possible. And that's called burnout. And let's take a look right now at some of the, uh, or I'm sorry, at the definition of burnout. Burnout is a debilitating condition that takes away energy, optimism, and effectiveness. And there are some differences when it comes to stress and to burnout. So let's compare the two right now. And these will be up on the screen. First of all, stress. Stress usually causes you to become over-engaged. You need to have everything on the list. You want to be involved in all of it, and you want to get it all done. I have a kindergartner right now, and so I want to be the best mom possible and do all the things and go on all the field trips while managing um, in ministry as well as my household and being a good wife. I want to do all of it, right? Burnout usually means disengagement. Stress you usually tend to have overreactive emotions, either really high or really low, overactive emotions, while uh, burnout causes blunt or flat emotions. In stress, there's this sense of urgency or hyperactivity, I need to get it all done, where in burnout, helplessness and hopelessness seem to set in. During stress, you have a loss of energy, probably because of that urgency or hyperactivity that you're experiencing, but in burnout, you have a loss of emotion. I'm sorry, a loss of motivation. In stress, you do have issues with anxiety, which Dan Diebel did a great job of, about talking about last week, but in burnout, you have detachment and depression. And there are physical damages that can happen to your body if you have an elevated level of stress for long periods of time. It can cause heart attacks or strokes. You might stop eating in a healthy pattern. But in burnout, there's emotional damage that can take place. And in stress, this can be life-threatening. If you have elevated levels of stress for long periods of time, we just talked about some of the health factors that are in place, but with burnout, life doesn't even feel like living anymore. We allow our stress to build and build and build to the point of burnout, and then we're like, what do we do now? I'm done. I'm spent. I can't do this anymore. And usually burnout occurs in six different stages. And I'm going to talk about each of those stages today in, in regards to scripture. So let's just list them for now and then I'll go into detail later. But the first stage of burnout is emotional exhaustion. The second stage, there's this increased frequency and duration of negative assessment of self. Third, there is a loss of emotional stability, personal discipline, and resiliency. Stage four is this feeling of isolation. Stage five, diminished work effectiveness. And stage six, identity impairment and confusion. 
Now, there are so many examples that I could have used from Scripture uh, to show the, the effects of stress and burnout. Today, I have chosen the prophet Elijah, and I do feel like I need to put a little disclaimer. So a couple years ago, I um, gave a message at a women's conference here at Westside, um, and it related to Elijah. So my disclaimer is I do know other prophets exist, okay? But he is just such a good example of stress and then burnout and what happens after that. So if you would like to, you, if you have your Bibles with you and you want to turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17, starting at verse 1. I will also have the verses um, up on the screen and they are in your app. So if you are on the West Side app, you can follow along there. So starting at verse 1. It says, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So we don't know a lot about Elijah before he comes on the scene in 1 Kings chapter 17. But what we do know is he goes to King Ahab and Queen Jezebel um, in the kingdom of Israel to deliver this bad news. It would probably be a lot like giving a message on stress and burnout on Mother's Day. So he goes and he says, it's not going to rain for a while. And um, I, I should probably note that King Ahab uh, and Queen Jezebel, they don't like Elijah. Um, and they don't like the God that Elijah serves. They serve a God named Baal. And so Elijah then in verse 2 is told to leave. And it says this, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah Leave here, turn eastward and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Let's stop there. Stress enters the scene to deliver bad news to the king and queen. Stress, told to leave his home and go to the ravine. Stress, stay by a ravine and get fed by a bird. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but I stress out when I don't have peanut butter in my pantry. I can only imagine what it would be like waiting for food every morning and evening from a bird. And then from there, he is told to leave the ravine and go to a widow's house who is a stranger, stress, and live with her and her son, stress, and then the son dies, stress, and then Elijah has to bring him back to life. Woo, that's stressful. Let me tell you. So then God tells Elijah after three years, I want you to go to King Ahab, and I, what I want you to do is I want you to challenge him to a duel. And I want you to challenge his prophets, 450 of them, basically showing how mighty I am compared to their false prophet, Baal. And so Elijah does just that. He goes and says, I'm challenging you. I'm throwing down the gauntlet. Let's go. And he goes up to Mount Carmel. The 450 prophets go as well. And Elijah says, all right, you go first. Prove that your God is the almighty God. And they spend all morning banging their chests, dancing around, trying to prove that their God is powerful. And nothing happens. And then Elijah gets up there, prays to God, puts together his altar. Fire comes down, destroying the altar and sucking up the water that was near it. 
proving that his God is the almighty God. And these 450 prophets are bowing down saying, the Lord is good, the Lord is good. What a win for Elijah, right? All of this stress, all of this buildup, it came to fruition and he proved the mighty power of God. But what happens next? Jezebel gets word that Elijah proved the mighty power of God and that he kills all 450 prophets of Baal. And so what she says is that I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill Elijah by tomorrow. He's going to be dead. Send out everyone to capture him and kill him. And Elijah hears this. And instead of looking back on the steadfast love and togetherness that God had provided him, the support that Elijah needed, no, in that one moment he forgets God and says, I'm out of here. I've got to do this alone. How many times have we had stressful situations building and building and building, yet every time we see God answering our prayer in some way or another, God's hand in place protecting us and guiding us, and yet there's one derailment, there's one misstep, there's one miscalculation, and all of a sudden it's like, I'm out of here. I'm not holding true to the God that has been next to me in all of those things. I'm leaving him behind. And that's exactly what Elijah does. He flees, he leaves his servant, he goes and collapses in the middle of the desert, and he's burnt out. He's done. So let's look at scripture and see those steps of burnout that I had discussed before. He is emotionally exhausted. He says in 1 Kings 19, chapter 4, I have had enough, Lord. He has an increased frequency and duration of negative self-assessment. At one point, he says, I am no better than my ancestors. I have done nothing for God. He has a loss of emotional stability and resiliency. He prayed to God that he might die. He feels completely isolated. In 1 Kings 19.10, he replied with this. I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. He has identity impairment and confusion. Now, instead of asking God to just um, let him die, he's asking God to take his life. He's messed up. He's burnt out. So what does God do in that moment? Well, he, he first takes care of him physically. He provides food and water and rest to Elijah. Because I believe that God knows our bodies have to be physically well in order to hear from God. And God doesn't come to him in a thunderous cloud. He doesn't come to him with a burning bush. What does he do? He whispers. He says, I'm right here. I think a lot of times God whispers to us because he wants us to know that he's right there. He's right there with us. He's walking beside us. The second thing that God does is he reminds Elijah of the big picture. It is so easy to look at the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing instead of looking at the big thing, the major thing. 
Mount Carmel wasn't the big thing for Elijah. It was just the next thing. But he had stressed out in the steps leading up to that moment to a point of burnout, exhaustion. Couldn't go any farther. The urgent can overpower the important. We can give all we have to the next thing and not have anything left for the important thing. And sure, ministry is important. Your mission is important. Your job is important. But is that the important thing? Or is that the main thing? The third thing God did, he told Elijah to find a ministry partner. Elijah was under this false assumption that he had to do everything by himself, that he didn't have someone that supported him. And God reminded him, I have 7,000 more prophets just like you. I have them ready to support you and waiting for you. And actually, I've set someone up that can carry on your ministry. Go back to them. Go talk to them. We were never meant to do this alone. We were never meant to isolate ourselves because in that isolation, that's when Satan creeps in and gets a foothold. That's when Satan comes in disguised as something else, else and tells us the lies. We're not supposed to do this alone. So Elijah was burnt out, but he didn't have to stay that way. Let me say that again. Elijah was burnt out, but he didn't have to stay that way. He even, even though he goes through this incredibly dark time, he finishes very well. As I mentioned, he um, has a, a person that he trains named Elisha. And Elijah then carries on Elijah's ministry for 30, 60 more years. He ends well. He's very successful in the main thing. So, how do you make your story something like Elijah's? Maybe right now as I listed the differences between stress and burnout or maybe the stages of burnout, you're, you're thinking, I'm there. I'm there. I'm not managing my stress in a healthy way. I'm on the brink of stage five of burnout. Well, I'm going to give you a, some homework. And I want to make sure that you understand this. I want you to pick one of the following things that I'm gonna to present to you, because there's four, and I don't want you to leave here going, man, she's talking to us about stress, and she just added more to it. So pick one of these things to focus on this week. The first is do a physical assessment. Look at your lifestyle. Are you eating right? Are you exercising? Are you taking time for rest? You know, if, if you have children, I think May is just as busy as December and there's no presents, right? <laughs> there's all the end of school activities that are taking place. There's the plans that you're trying to make for summer vacations. There's the arrangements that you're trying to put together for who's going to watch the kids while you're at work. There's a lot. Find time for rest. The second... Maybe this is for you. Find emotional replenishment. Maybe for you it's listening to worship music while you cook. Or maybe it's in the car listening to worship music or a podcast or something along those lines that allow for emotional replenishment. I love to sit on my patio and look at birds and then go to the app and see what kind of birds they are. 
I, I love it. I think it's really cool. I asked all of the West Side staff, well, some of the West Side staff, like, what do you do for emotional replenishment? And one said, I like to scream into a pillow. If that's what you need to do, then you do that. Make sure it's in a pillow, though. I don't want police being called thinking there's some sort of, a, of something happening. Number three, do a spiritual assessment. It is so important, and I cannot stress this enough, to have quiet time with God, to sit and rest in Scripture, to hear his words in the quiet, to hear him whisper to you, are you doing that? Are you sitting with God and taking time to really listen and learn from what he has in scripture? Or are you getting up, doing a 10 minute, checking it off and going on with your day? And number four, never walk alone. Find a person, find a community, Find a group that can help support you and walk alongside of you. And I would encourage you, if you don't already have that person or group or community, be counterintuitive and go seek one out. We are here to help you with that. We are here to connect you with people, with groups, with communities that can help support you and walk alongside of you. You know, <clears throat> I find something so calming in breathing. Something that most of us didn't have to learn that we were equipped with when we were born. Breathing, sitting still, and connecting with God. And so that is where I would like to conclude today with all of us taking a breath. So if you would go ahead and sit up in your seats, open your hands. Close your eyes and inhale and exhale as I give you prompts to do so. Breathe in if you need to renew your awe and wonder of who God is. Exhale busyness, stress, and circumstances that get in the way of that wonder. Breathe in a reminder of his grace and of his forgiveness. Exhale guilt and shame. Breathe in life that is only available through Jesus Christ. Exhale everything that is not from him. Dear most gracious and heavenly Father, Lord God, you know where we are today in our stress. You also know the struggles of daily life. Lord, remind us to come to you for rest. Help calm our thoughts and our emotions and open our hearts to your peace, to your comfort, and to your wisdom. Lord, help us not to live in this stress. Instead, God, please place people and scriptures and circumstances around us that draw me to you. Help me to trust you as I navigate through this world, Lord. In your heavenly and precious name I pray, amen.